This is the Legacy United Methodist Podcast. Good morning. I am Corey. I am a pilgrim on a path of Jesus Christ. Uh, I am a sinner saved by grace, and I want to welcome you here this morning to share this time with me. I get the joy of finishing out this series, and I'm really excited about sharing with you today uh, not only because I get to be at Legacy with you fine people, but I get to talk about a friend of mine. I love talking about this friend. Here's a picture of me and, and my friend. Uh, as you can see, it's a life-size. Um, that's a life-size picture of, of John Wesley and me. Uh, that is actually the height of John Wesley. They didn't eat real well back in those days, and so that's all the taller he got. But that is, uh, that's a life-size statue, a wax statue of John Wesley. And this whole series, you guys have been talking about the Wesley brothers and what they've been doing. I got a picture here of the two. Um, the Wesley brothers founded the Methodist movement because they saw within their church uh, a lack of zeal, of, of vibrant faith. And so they decided to do something about it. And this entire series, you've been talking about it. And you've been talking about what John and Charles did and some of the effects. And of course, that's our history. That's our legacy because that is where the United Methodist Church came out of. And that's where we are today. Um, John and Charles did not start the church. They didn't want to break away from their Anglican faith. They were Anglican. Uh, John was an Anglican pastor. But we have the Methodist Church today. Now, in 2015, I did take a pilgrimage to, uh, to England to spend time going to all the places that John, not all of them, but most of the places that John and Charles' ministry happened. Uh, before you think it was a vacation, it wasn't. There is morning prayers at 6 a.m. There's uh, vespers at night, devotions in the meantime, and then there are lectures and tests, and at the end you get a certificate. There's no, I've never been on vacation where I came home and was handed a certificate. Congratulations, you completed your vacation. No, this was a pilgrimage. And so we went to many, many places that are tied to John and Charles Wesley. Throughout the small villages of England, there's a square, the central place where most people gather together to hear information, to gather for um, celebrations. And in that square, if I could have the next slide, please, is usually a marker like this. It is stone with steps, and there's a marker in the middle. But always, always there's a cross on top of this marker. Now, this picture was taken in 2015, and the cross is gone. I don't know why it's gone, but many of the crosses today are gone, whether it's attrition from weather. You have to remember, our history is only a couple hundred years old. The history there is much older, okay? And so the crosses could be knocked off on purpose or because a truck hit them, who knows? But the cross is missing. Now, it would be common for John Wesley during his early ministry to travel from town to town to town, from village to village to village, and stop at one of these squares, climb these steps, and start to preach. And the people would start to gather. There was usually a couple of people who would show up at these things who had one purpose in mind, and that is, is to shove John 
off these steps. So they would go up there while John was preaching. He was preaching the word that he would, they would shove him off. John would fall. He would get back up and he'd climb those stairs and he'd start again. Well, then the next person would come along and punch him. John would fall. He'd get back up, dust himself off, and keep going as if nothing would happen. Then he'd get pushed down again and kicked. And this happened repeatedly to John. Now, these people who did this were hired to do this. They were hired thugs to beat John up. Do you know who hired these thugs? The church. Other Anglican pastors hired these thugs to beat John up to make sure that he did not preach. Well, well, why? Why would that happen? What was John, I'll take the next slide. What was John saying? What was John doing that caused this kind of tension? Well, let me explain some things about how the church was back then and maybe how the church is today. See, the church back then was very much a social gathering place. It was a place where you gathered socially, not, ne- not necessarily spiritually. And so it was a place to gather, to show up, to check that box, and then leave. At least that's what it was for some. For others, it was very much like this pulpit. It was a place where people heard about Jesus. Um, no, I did not ask for that. Go back. It was very much like this pulpit. It was people have to hear about Jesus. People need to be saved. They need to hear the word of Jesus to accept him. They need to hear it. They need to hear that word. They need to, we need pastors to go out and preachers to go out to preach salvation so everyone accepts Christ. By golly, that's got to happen. Well, what happens with this is, is that we get so focused spiritually on making sure that everyone hears about Jesus that the needs of the people get forgotten. Over here, the other polarization, so to speak, of the church is that we have to feed the people. There are so many that are hungry. There are so many that don't have clothes that are suffering from addiction. So many who are in prostitution, who, who need help. The homeless, the prisoner, the wayward person who just needs a helping hand. We need to find those people. We need to feed them. We need to bring them the care that they need. We need to bring them doctors, physicians, clothing, water. We need to bring all of that to them. But sometimes what happens in this extreme end is that we get so focused on the heart issues, on the heart issues of feeding, that we forget to tell them about Jesus. Over here, we have the head. Very much this is in our heads. We must do this in our heads. This is in our hearts. John Wesley came. The reason why John Wesley's message was so agitating, 
really made people mad was because Wesley, in all of his preaching and all of his teaching, would speak about scripture, he would speak about what Jesus said, and he would hold these two things in tension all the time. He held these things right in the middle. People need to know Jesus, and we need to serve them. People need to hear about his love and forgiveness, and people need food. People need doctors. People need visitation in the prison. And they need to hear about Jesus. And Jesus' love, forgiveness, and grace. You see, John Wesley held these in tension. The, his theology, his thinking has been known as the middle way. Now, I'd love to tell you that John Wesley invented this, that this was John Wesley's idea, but it wasn't. He wasn't the one that invented this. He got this idea from somebody else. Does anybody know? It's the Sunday school answer. Let's hear it. Jesus, right. He learned this from studying Jesus. Jesus preached about the Father. He called people to the Father. He pointed people to the Father to repent and accept the Father. But he also healed. He brought healing. He brought, this didn't happen at my wedding, but he turned water into wine. He brought food. Jesus was very aware of the physical needs of the people but also very aware of the spiritual needs of the people and brought it together perfectly. Now, I don't care what denomination you're in. That may flatten some of you. That's fine. But you need to hold these two things perfectly together as Christ did, as John Wesley taught. How do we know when we're doing that? How do we know when we have these two things in tension? Well, Jesus told us, I should have the scripture now. Jesus told us when we would have this intention. Jesus said, happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you because of me. Be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harass the prophets who came before you. This sounds wonderful, doesn't it? This is good news, right? You know when you have these two intention perfectly because people go against you. The darkness goes against you. When people are upset by the good things that you are doing, you know that you're holding these two things in tension correctly. When my wife and I lived in Kansas City, I was going to, I'll take the next slide, uh, was going to Nazarene Theological Seminary. And on my breaks, I would go down to Kansas City Rescue Mission. It was a rescue mission in downtown Kansas City, Missouri for men. And they fed uh, the men there off the streets. And they also had a small addiction recovery center there. I'd volunteer my time at this rescue mission as much as I could. One day, one of the students who was in recovery came to me and said, Corey, would you be willing to take me to my friend's house to get my clothes? I said, sure. Don't you have a car? He said, dude, I'm homeless. <laughs> of course, I don't have a car. 
He said, but what I really need you for is I need you to stand guard so that I don't use again. That's what I really need. I said, okay, let's do it. So we hop in my old Dodge pickup truck and we start to head down into parts of Kansas City, Missouri I've never been before. The streets turn into something like a movie. There are people on the corners talking everywhere. There are burnt out car, car bodies on the street. I said, hey, what's with these burnt out cars? He goes, you remember the riots? That's where those are from. The riots in Kansas City, right around the time of Martin Luther King Jr. No, nobody took history class. Okay, so <clears throat> those car bodies are still there, never moved from that time. We pulled up to the house and we closed the doors of my pickup truck. We started to walk up to this house where the music is just booming. The front door flies open and slams shut. Three kids, three boys from the age of eight and 12 run out of the house, straight into my pickup, throw open the doors and go through the whole thing. I didn't have anything in there, so it didn't bother me. As we walk up to the house, the house is thumping, thump, thump with the music. It's 10 in the morning. He knocks on the door and I stand a little bit off to the side. His friend opens the door and says, hey, how's it going, man? So good to see you. You want something? And I step in and he's like, no. He said, no, I'm good. I'm just here for my clothes. So he and his friend go into the, into the main living room. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be between him and anything else, I have to go in too. So I step in. This is like a movie. I step in and this is what I see. I see couches and chairs full of big men with scantily clad women on their laps and big beers in their hands. And they're all like this, looking at me. Because I'm the only white guy for about 10 miles Literally, the whole place stops, and a couple of them wanted to kill me. You think I'm exaggerating, but they did. They wanted to kill me because out of God's love and grace, I was there to help protect someone else from using. We went back to the room, went back to the closet, we loaded up with clothes, and we went out. We walked to the pickup, and I expected fully, without turning around, to get shot in the back. But I stood between him and the house so that it would be me, not him, that was shot. How did I know that I was doing right? How did I know that? Because I faced great resistance from the darkness. That guy needed to know God's love and grace was there for him. And he needed someone present to hold him, to be there. John Wesley faced these things too. John Wesley was from Epworth, his father's church. Uh, Samuel Wesley was the pastor at Epworth Anglican Church. 
and he was buried there. And John was going to go back home, and he sent word to his home church that he wanted to preach. He wanted to preach in his father's pulpit, the church he was baptized in, the church he ran around in as a kid. He wanted to preach there. So he sent word to the pastor. The pastor got word, and he said, no. Uh-uh. Not going to do it. But in our day and age, we have cell phones, and we text each other. They had mail. So he didn't know that the answer was no until he got there. So he walks into the church Sunday morning, fully expecting to preach, and the pastor and the small congregation of about 30 are there saying, not in our church, Mr. Rabble Rouser. And John said, fine. They said, get off the property. You do not belong here. You have no right to be on this property. So John walked out the door. He turned left immediately, and then he stood on this tomb. This tomb is the tomb of his father, Samuel Wesley. It is the only property that he said was his in the church. So he stood on that tomb, and he began to preach. Well, the service inside went on until the noise outside got to be so great that they just had to look. And so the pastor and the congregation stuck their heads out the door, and there was John Wesley belting it out from this tomb with, be, with between three and 600 people listening to him. How do we know that John Wesley was doing the right thing, giving the people what they need? Because there was a whole church behind him saying, don't do this. We don't want you. Got some news for you. God does. Friends, in our faith, in our walk, as Christians, sometimes we are here, we are in our heads, and we just preach that people need Jesus, and oh, you need food, well, I'll pray for you. Have a nice day. Sometimes we're over here. We just need to feed them, but, you know, it's a little too embarrassing to give them Jesus. Where are you at on this continuum? Where are you at on this continuum? I do have to say that if you are outside, that if you are outside this continuum and you are not on it, uh-oh. then it is time to examine your walk with Christ entirely. Because you should be right here in the middle. If you want to get your Methodist on, then hold the tension between preaching God's love and grace and feeding, clothing, and giving water to those who need. When you do that, 
Somebody's going to throw tomatoes at you. But it's okay. It just means you're doing the right thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we examine the path that we're on, I pray that the journey that we're on is towards you. That we may be in either margin or we may be stumbling in the weeds. Help us to find the middle path again that holds our faith and our actions, our head, our heart, and our hands together. Pass this in your name.